Welcome to Wildly Empowered Women. I'm your host, Jessica Zalens. My vision is to empower women to unleash their genius and become financially independent. Think of this podcast as the equivalent of an espresso martini for your feminine. The sophisticated and delicious awakening your feminine power has been waiting for. I'm here to remind you of the wildly empowered woman you already are. Welcome back to Wildly Empowered Women. Today, I'm joined by Rachel Smith, who is an intuitive and creative online business queen, an occupational therapist and yoga lover. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about feminine energy in dating, the relationship between self-worth, attachment styles and boundaries, and how to embrace healthy masculine and feminine energies in the dating space. Rachel has not only got her own experience to draw wisdom from in this area, but has also worked with various coaches and therapists on this topic as well. And she really empowers parents and children in learning social emotional skills required for effective communication in the OT space. What I love about listening to people with embodied wisdom like Rachel is that you really do get to learn from their successes and mistakes and fast track a little bit your own success, which is what I've seen in Rachel. And she's so generously sharing with us today from her experience in the dating world. So she's got so much wisdom in this area on relationships that also can cross over into any type of relationship, including conscious business. So thank you so much for joining us, Rach. I'm really excited to dive deep into this topic. So may we start with any background that you'd like to add to that and then also going into dating apps because that's obviously, you know, this day and age how a lot of people connect with potential partners and dates. Oh, you are so welcome. You know, we're going to talk about receiving today. So I'm just really receiving that from you. Um, in the past, I would feel so uncomfortable having people, you know, compliment me or or give me praise or talk my about my business. And I've really realized in the dating process that that's all a learning journey to learn how to receive. So I'm really receiving from you. So thank you for such a wonderful introduction. <laughs> Beautiful. I love a woman that can receive. So important. And maybe we can touch on that as well, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Let's talk dating apps. They sound like a minefield and a circus and could be a zoo, sometimes a great playground, but what has been your experience and your tips in that field? <laughs> Look, I mean, this is another example where, you know, healing journeys and mindset and, you know, where you've come from all plays into what you see in the space. So, I mean, just think about this. This is like the real world. Like imagine if you went out there and just had conversations with everyone and you had no filter, you know, it can be what people describe in the the online dating space as difficult because, you know, you're having conversations with people who, you know, you haven't necessarily had the same ability to screen as if you saw them in real life. So just remember that it's a different space. I think people walk into online dating and they're thinking it's the same as the real world. It's not. There is no way that you would match with that many people, talk to that many people in the real world. So this is why I'm really mindful about how I use the apps. And this only really started to click for me after two years of using the apps. Like I may not have always been on the apps in that two years, 
but I learned a lot in terms of how to use the app in a way that felt good. And what I hear from a lot of men and women is the apps can feel draining mm. so, or it's hard work. So what I've learned along the way about feminine energy and dating is you can bring it to the space of how you use the app. And it's actually really empowering because what it does is it doesn't drain your energy and you're actually showing up in a way where you're going to magnetize people towards you. And that's what you want, right? The guy for you, he's probably going to feel that pull and want to come towards you, but he's not going to feel that pull if you're showing up in like an overly logical or business oriented kind of mind or what we might call the masculine energy. So the way you're showing up on the dating app is so important in terms of attracting in the man that you truly desire. So this starts from how your profile looks on the app, you know, the photos you choose, how you write about yourself. It has an energy to it. You are communicating to your, you know, potential date or partner, not only what's important to you, but what do you feel? So a profile that's more in its feminine is going to speak to the feeling of who you are as a person, not just what you like and what you do. That's the difference. So thinking about how you can evoke emotion from someone else by talking about who you are and what you feel. Now, that can be uncomfortable for a lot of women, especially if we are highly successful or work in business and we are used to communicating in a logical way. So just thinking about it, it might feel initially a little bit clunky, but that is the energy that the masculine is wanting to connect to, your heart. He's not wanting to connect to your logic, although he may value your intelligence. And if you value intelligence, you probably want someone intelligent too, but he also wants to feel something from you. So that has to come through in your profile. So the other thing about dating apps being in the feminine is the type of conversation you have and how you match with people. So some people might feel into the photo of a guy and, and see like, mm, how does it feel? Is it a match? That's quite, you know, if you're quite intuitive, that's definitely something I would recommend. If that doesn't really resonate with you, obviously, then you're looking at the content and, you know, how you think they appear and look and all those sorts of things that we do. So the other thing you want to do when you're dating from your feminine, it doesn't mean powerlessness. It actually means being very clear and discerning about what you're looking for and then using your feminine intuition to make decisions and decide. Intuition being what do you feel in your body about this person? And then when you're, if you've decided it's a match and they match with you, that's when you can step into the conversation space from the feminine. So what I used to do is, ask questions. You know, I was trying to get to know the person, but sometimes what happens on the dating apps is you can have numerous threads of conversation that go nowhere. Okay. So not an effective use of time. So I would say initial messages really brief. So you're not kind of putting too much energy into it, but if they're showing reciprocal interest, I actually no longer write a lot of questions. I actually share, I share how I'm feeling. They'll say, how was your day? A lot of women on the dating apps don't like that question because that's the only question you get asked So, by a lot of men. <laughs> so make the conversation more interesting. What I found is if you talk about how I feel, so for example, they might say, how was your day? And you can say, oh, I went to work, um, I had a coffee and I'm going out with friends tonight. There's not a lot of emotional language in there. He doesn't actually get a good visual of what it feels like 
to be you in your daily life. So you could say something like, you know, I'm working today. I'm so excited about this, something that's happening. Um, I've just finished my morning coffee. It's delicious. I'm walking down the street. The breeze is blowing. It's such a beautiful day today. What are you up to? See how it tells and evokes a picture that essentially magnetizes because it gives him a sense of what you think and feel about the world and what your energy is. The other thing we want to be thinking about is the boundaries that you have around texting on the dating apps. You can text for too long with people that actually never intend to meet you. You can receive messages that you actually don't like to receive. So how do you respond to that? It might be a sext, for example. Um, And then you want to be thinking about what you share and how much you share with someone who you haven't met. So in traditional dating sense, you would share, you know, you would meet someone in a bar and in like three seconds before dating apps, you decide whether you want to speak to them or not. Right now, you might text for weeks before you even have that first date and you still know in three seconds that they're not for you. So be thinking about that. You still haven't even decided if they are that person in the bar that you want to speak to. So don't invest too heavily in the texting process is my suggestion there. Mm -hmm. And I have noticed with feminine communication, the masculine, if he's in that space and actually wants to date, he will step in and ask you out. You don't even have to allude to wanting a date or let him know how interested you are. Your energy in the conversation shows him you're interested. You know, you, you talking about your emotion shows him that you're interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really good way of, of, of dating for the feminine. Like you are with your energy, the best filter for what you're going to attract in. And then your boundaries also create a filter for what you're allowing to come in. So be really clear on what your standards are. Like, what do you actually deeply desire? Right. And talk about those things. You don't, you're not asking him for it, but just talk about what you'd like. If he's interested, he's listening and he's going to try and find a way to give that to you, even in a message or in the date that he might plan. So yeah, just really thinking about what you're what you're desiring and, and showing up in that way. And you want to be thinking about how are you showing up? You know, you want a relationship, but are you actually showing up consistently on the dating app in a way that shows that you're emotionally available for one? Or do you get on to the app and you're really exhausted because we all have really busy lives and you shoot off some messages because there's like some responses there that are waiting for you? That kind of energy comes through in a message and he's thinking, ah, she doesn't seem that interested. And, you know, for a guy, there's a risk involved in rejection of asking you out. So he's probably not going to take that thread anywhere either. And this is where a lot of conversation threads go nowhere which is, I think, one of the most common complaints that women have in dating. So many good tips there. What about your profile to start with? Like, how do you know what to write, what photos to put, like, you know, how much of yourself to reveal in that initial bio, which is like everything? Mm, I think it's so personal and what you feel comfortable with. Um, What I would say is it's a real opportunity to discern and and repel anyone who's not for you, the more honest and authentic you are. And honest 
doesn't mean writing down what you don't like. So what a lot of, I've heard a lot of men say that women write on their profiles, like no players, no games, right? And, and what that already portrays is repelling. Whereas you could say, you know, I'm looking for a grounded man in his integrity, something like that. See how that kind of language already says that you're not there for games. So mm-hmm. it, it, it really depends about, you know, how you, how you want to approach it. But what I would say is be really honest about who you are and what you like. And that there's a risk in that you're going to match with less people, but the people you match with are going to be generally more aligned if they've read your profile. There are going to be men that don't really read your profile probably because they're not after the same thing as you. So that's for you to kind of um, suss out in those initial messages and you will feel it in your body in the way that they're texting you or even what they text you. And you're like, oh, actually, no, nah. like he's definitely not for me. And that's okay. And you just move on for that. Um, in terms of pictures, I've heard other dating coaches recommend you want a headshot and a body shot. And a body shot's really important to see the full picture of you. I mean, no one wants to be catfished, right? Men or women. I think you know, you want to show um, a lot of guys talk about wanting to see photos with smiles. And, you know, I mean, that makes sense. We want to know that we're meeting a happy person, right? And that's conveyed in your photos. And then other people recommend not too many group shots because then they have to figure out which one you are in the picture. And then you might want to have a photo of things that you enjoy doing because it conveys you you know, doing the things that you enjoy in life. If you don't have a photo like that, write it in your profile, you know, and write who you are as a person, not just the activities. That's a a way of also evoking a really clear picture of what your personality is. Such great tips. And I love that you've said, you know, it's not a big deal if you actually repel the wrong person. Like, don't be scared to be authentically you. And if that doesn't appeal to someone, fantastic you are like making sure you don't waste your time matching with someone that's not a match anyway so don't be scared to actually be yourself and and showcase that so and and, you know that's going to come out pretty quickly when you start to talk to someone and see that there's no commonalities there's nothing really that you guys vibe on and there's you know like no chemistry there if you haven't really been um, authentic with who you are in your profile so love those tips So can we talk a bit about effective communication? And in this scenario, and in particular, this term of feminine communication, which I absolutely love, and I I think it's such an empowering topic to, you know, because coming from our feminine sometimes can be perceived as being submissive or a little bit passive. But can you explain a little bit about feminine communication and how to go about communicating on apps and with men from our feminine yeah yeah you know it's that saying you get more bees to honey that's Mm. kind of what the essence of feminine communication is I think there's a as women we really want to like speak what we want and we don't want to do that with criticism right because that conveys you know that we might want to control an outcome of of a situation i've been totally guilty of that in my life you know when i was disconnected from my feminine needs and desires so feminine communication is actually about i would say opening up to and giving the option for the man 
to actually lead and show you what he can do. It's not about, you know, you losing your power. In fact, I found it to be more powerful because it has an influence that I never even foresaw that I had previously. And it also pulls forth like a masculine desire to provide and give you things, essentially, like that is more influence and power than we would think. Now, communicating from the feminine doesn't mean asking for things that you, uh, doesn't mean not asking for things that you want. You know, yes, we do do that. It's the way that you're asking. So I find for a lot of women, we don't ask for what we want or need. And if we do, we're so scared to do it that we don't communicate it from feelings. We tell that we want it. And as soon as you're telling, it starts to feel like parenting, starts to feel like how your mum might speak to a son. And this is why why it doesn't work when you're in a romantic relationship. So it's also important to understand that, you know, it's a different communication for a different context. And that's where a lot of people get confused in relationships is you're not communicating to your family, not communicating to your friends, and you're not at work. You're actually in a totally different relational space, which needs different communication. So feminine communication in its simplest form is how you feel. I feel. And how you feel is the most important thing. I think for a lot of women, how we feel becomes the thing that we put back here. Work comes first. Money comes first. Kids comes first you know, supporting my friends comes first and we forget about how we feel. So in that, you can become really disconnected from how you feel, but it's really important to be in tune with how you feel. So that for a lot of people might take some time to get really, really clear on. But the question that I like to ask myself before I use feminine communication is what do I deeply desire? What does my heart want? Like what do I really want, right? And then I think about how can I communicate that? In some cases, you want to communicate with feminine communication after something has happened that you don't actually like. So what I would say is process your own emotions around that first. And that might be with friends, having an event, a therapy session, a coach. Um, It might be crying it out in the shower. Like maybe you're really upset. Um, you know, not going to the man to process all the emotions for you, right? So processing first on and and letting all those feelings out. I mean, yoga is a really great place for processing emotions too. A massage, you know, there's so many different ways that we can do this. Then come in with your feminine communication. And the reason why I say that is your nonverbal communication will be different when you've processed emotional energy first, If you haven't, you're going to come in with fear and people pick up on fear. It's contagious. And then they're going to be feeling the need to defend. So that's why I'm saying it can be really helpful to process how you're feeling first. So feminine communication, you know, there's different scenarios in which we might need it. So let's do it on a superficial level. You're going on a date. He's asked you if you like a particular restaurant. You might say, Um, I'm feeling so excited. I really love whatever food. So you've, you've essentially named a desire. 
ask for what you want in a really feminine way. Say you want to address a lack of communication in the dating process. You really desire to feel that connection. You could say, I feel really scared when I don't hear from you for a couple of days. I'd really love a text every day or two. What do you think about that? And the reason why I say, what do you think about that? Is it gives him an opportunity to say no. And you might get a no and you might need to receive that no. But what you, what you get from that is clarity about what he's available for and not available for. If he can't give that to you, then you decide in an empowered way that that's not for you and you leave. If that's so important to you, the empowered thing to do is to leave, to not make that man in front of you, anyone else other than what he is, but to fully honour your feelings first. Because if you go against your feelings and your needs, you are essentially saying to yourself, your needs aren't important, your feelings aren't important. So, yeah, think about feminine communication as also fun and playful. So other people do this in ways of, um, you know, say a guy's just texting you too much and he hasn't asked you out. You could say, oh, like, I feel like your fingers really just love texting me. So you can make a joke out of what's happening or, you know, um, I'm just trying to think of other other scenarios where it comes up. But you can be flirty and playful and set a boundary all at the same time. Even like, oh, you really love texting me. See how it like points out what's happening. You haven't thought of the solution. You don't need to. But it's kind of like playfully pointing out what's going on without being like, I don't like texting. It's just kind of a, a different vibe. But people need to communicate in a way that's true for them, right? And, and if you don't communicate in this way, it requires practice. It's taken me years of practice to learn to communicate this way. And it's not that I wanted to learn it. I've just realized the power of it and now I'm choosing to do it. That's so powerful and this is so relevant for both the dating world and also when you're in a relationship of speaking your needs. You know, no one is a mind reader. If you don't feel in your power and worthy enough to speak your needs, then get used to them not being met because Mm -hmm. that's the biggest problem I think women make is they get upset that their needs aren't being met but their needs are unspoken. And, you know, not only men any partner, any relationship, friends, the universe, you know, if you're putting a desire out to the universe, like nothing can be met if it's not specific and spoken. So that's such good wisdom from you, Rach, and also on boundaries. Like boundaries are something that also need to be spoken, you know, like if you're not honouring your boundaries and being unapologetic around them and that this is a boundary I'm not willing to overstep, then that's likely why you're being treated in a way that it feels misaligned for you. Yeah. Once again, a boundary can't be respected if it's not spoken in any respect and any relationship, you know. So I love that you've brought up that topic of boundaries. 
And there are two pieces that I hear in that. We'll come back to the boundaries. But with the needs piece, if you haven't had parents that actually considered your needs as a child, you're going to find it hard to speak your needs. So so don't think um, that fear that you have around speaking your needs is unique to you. It's actually really quite common. So what I would say is practice small. Practice with yourself. What What I feel like today, you know, is it a muffin? Honour that desire. Go and get the muffin. What you're doing is teaching yourself how to meet your needs. Or I'm really tired. Uh, I've got so much work to do. And then you're like, oh, I actually, I really need to take care of myself today. So you might prioritise a bath or exercise or a walk, being out in nature. That is you practicing honoring your own needs so then you're in tune with what are my needs then the second piece is being able to communicate that with someone and all the things that happen in communication around that and you know healthy relating takes into account not only your needs but mine and women are really good at attending to everyone else's needs and not so much their own so I think that's why a lot of us have fear around asking for what we want and I mean sometimes removing that fear of asking for what you want can come by seeing it as practice dating is the perfect place to practice asking for what you want and practicing hearing no or practicing witnessing a man step up it's beautiful Like I've had men step up for me in ways that I would have never conceived by me asking for what I needed. And, you know, they weren't even relationships at that point. So that's a really good example of releasing expectations and just trying, practicing. And then you were also talking about boundaries, about what you're available for. I always talk about boundaries with self first. You know, if you feel drained by the number of texts on the dating app, a boundary might be, I only have this many conversations going at once. See how that's a really healthy boundary for your energy? It puts you first. Mm. It also shows respect for the people that you're connecting with, but that's a boundary you might need in place. Or if you know you get really attached early on in relationship or dating, the boundary for yourself might be, You know, I don't invest too heavily early on. I continue to date other people so that I can keep my perspective. Yeah, and that might be an uh, uh, action you take. And then the standard or boundary you might have for yourself is, you know, I commit to, you know, having phone calls before I go on the dates. And that's about valuing your time. Because if you go on a date and you know in 30 seconds that they're not for you and you've spent an hour getting, getting ready, it might be better for you to have a boundary around, oh, the man for me, I kind of would like him to call me and, um, you know, let's let's make that request before the date. And there are a lot of men who feel uncomfortable with phone calls, so that may not work. But if you want a man that's going to call you, you know, he might be open to doing it early on. I mean, generally, if you've got great text chat, you might not even need a phone call. But generally, you'll want to meet that person if you have really great text chat. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's also about being unapologetic and, um, yeah, just unapologetic around your standards. If you have a certain idea of the type of person you want to be with, that's not something that can be compromised. 
If you want someone that's great at communication and you are being that, because like you've really rightly said, you will only attract what you are. If you're being great at communication, then you can expect to attract that. If you're being really negative about the dating scene, you're probably going to attract someone that's also really negative, you know? So it's like, if you want to attract someone that's great at communicating, then get really good at communicating yourself. And that also starts with what you said around communicating your needs. And what I kept thinking about when you were saying that was it really takes a level of trust in yourself and surrender to actually share what it is that you want because we are so conditioned to be in our masculine and control situations and come from that masculine and logic and sort of control the try and try to control the outcome instead of just sitting with putting on the table what it is that you want like you said possibly accepting a no and being okay with that and not letting that mean that it's a reflection on you a no is not a reflection on you it just simply means that that person their stance is a no and that's you know that that's more of a reflection on them than it is on you it could be a myriad of reasons why it's a no and i think we also are very good at making things very personal and very pointed to us when we have absolutely no context or evidence around that. So such great wisdom on that topic. And I think it leads really well into my next question around receiving. So if you have asked for something, if you have asked to be communicated with a certain way or to go on a date or to be treated in a certain way or any sort of you know request, how can we receive and how can we sort of build that muscle, strengthen that muscle of receiving to build out our healthy feminine and, you know, do this on the daily. Yeah. This might be an interesting thing for people to hear, but receiving is generous. If we don't allow people to have an impact on us, they also don't get that beautiful feeling of giving to someone. You love to give to people. It makes you feel meaningful to give. Well, what about a man that actually wants to give to you? He's not going to feel that way unless you allow the receiving. And I learned this the hard way, right, by not allowing a man to fully provide and give to me because I couldn't receive it. I actually needed to be my own provider of everything. (laughs) So I think... Allowing receiving can be hard too because it's, again, programmed often from early childhood as to what your mother modelled to you around receiving. And then the other piece is it often sits in the body. So a good example of knowing your capacity to receive is receiving a compliment. How do you feel receiving a compliment? Is it really uncomfortable and awkward? Men often love to give a compliment And then your reaction is actually going to feed back into whether he keeps doing it. So I think seeing your reaction is actually exceptionally powerful for reinforcing what you actually want to create in the relational dynamic. You know, the best way we can get our needs met is positive feedback of what he's already doing, he's choosing and already doing. That's how you kind of get your needs built in to receiving. And then the receiving piece is letting him know the impact he's had on you when he's done that, you know, because 
just think about when someone's let you know a profound impact that you've had on them in their life. It is just, this is what we all live for, essentially, you know, when someone says to you, you've had that impact, well, that's how he wants to feel on you, you know, by by doing and showing and giving you all these things, he's essentially wanting you to receive it so he can know that what he's trying is working. Because what happens is if he tries and it doesn't work, he's going to try something else and something else, or he's going to give up. It depends where he's at in the process, how much he likes you and what your response is, but he's trying to have an impact here. So your receiving is so important. So um, for some people, receiving um, needs to start with yourself again, because it can feel so uncomfortable to receive from other people. So some people do things like mirror work. You can Google that, um, Google what mirror work is. And, but that's quite deep for a lot of people can be a little bit scary. Um, Sometimes I practice the receiving in meeting my needs. The example I gave before around what I need in a day, that's actually you receiving from you. And what you teach yourself is I can be comfortable to give and receive to myself. And then other people do things like, visualize receiving so there might be a meditation or something that you can look at into practicing receiving and then I would just say go out in the general public and look for ways to receive if someone makes way for you in the hallway receive it thank them you know if someone walks by with a puppy and you get to pat it receive that Thank the person for allowing you to pat their puppy. That's receiving in its most beautiful form. And then it just, you know, it doesn't have to be from a man. You can practice receiving from your girlfriends too. Ideally, you want it to be something you notice frequently. So you're actually calibrating your system to receiving more over time. Now, in the online dating space, there might be, some questions around who pays for the date. And that's often a thing around worthiness and receiving. Some people might want to have a conversation about it and that's totally, totally fine. It really depends on the person and what you're feeling around it. You know, I've heard very different opinions from dating coaches and men around the paying. Like some men will pay no matter what, even if he knows he's not going to go on a date with you. He just wants to do that. Other men want to pay to provide and to give to you. Other men are mindful of it being more a conversation around equality and they want to check first, you know. I think some of the best conversations I've had on dates are when he offers and says, is it okay? So he's already taking the lead, but he's just checking, you know, that that's actually what you want. I think that's actually a beautiful conversation because if that doesn't sit right for you, you can actually say like, no, thanks, I prefer to go halves or, you know, it's totally up to you. But what I would ask people about receiving someone paying for the date is there there is no obligation to give a man anything if he pays, okay? Like your energy and your time is so worthy and valuable. That is what that experience is about. And he is seeing his providing, his payment as a way of saying thank you just see it as a thank you 
It probably doesn't, it doesn't always mean anything more than that either. He might've just had a good day with you. <laughs> so yeah, that's, you know, just being mindful around receiving around money. It's, it's so big and it's often linked to our sense of self-worth as well. If you see the value that you have, you'll be probably quite happy for a man to pay for you. So when, when you're going out on a date, you might even want to, um, you know, some people, it sounds a bit corny, but think of all the ways that you bring worth to the table. How am I valuable? Why am I valuable? And when you start to do that, you go out and you're like, yeah, I am actually. And that's okay. And the man for me is going to see my value too. And he's going to want to spend more time with me. And, and that's where I now am much more open to people paying for dates. In the past, I very much wanted to pay my own way at all times in case they expected something. But then I never allowed, a, you know, a good man to, to give to me. That is so valuable. You know, receiving is really a muscle we need to strengthen in order to thrive in all areas of our life. If you can't receive compliments, feedback, Mm. um, you know, even just thank yous, joy, money, help and gifts. Help is a big one. Help and support is a really big one for women to receive as well. Without it, firstly, asking for it in the first place, which often comes back to a self-worth, you know, conversation with yourself as well. But secondly, to then receive it, to ask for it and receive it. And then, you know, to work on that muscle, because the more you can receive in that area, in any area, the, the more you're going to actually, you know, gain momentum in receiving more. Yeah. And, you know, it, it impacts every area of our life, that thing of receiving. I used to be so awkward receiving, like receiving compliments, receiving thank yous, receiving gifts, the most awkward person in the world. If I received a thank you gift, I almost wanted to repel it because I didn't like, I was like, well, that's not why I did that. You know, like I didn't want to receive a gift in return. And, you know, that actually had such a big impact on my energy around it. And, you know, now when I get compliments or thank yous or feedback, I actually literally say, thank you received. I say that to them so they know I've received it and I don't feel the um, obligation to say back to like to say, oh, thanks. Oh, you're so wonderful, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, I still share love with the other person, but I don't always feel like I have to do that as the exchange. So I love that you've said about that exchange, like you don't need to give anything back in order to receive in any situation. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like, you know, I, I remember thinking that when I used to have men even buy me a drink at a bar, like, oh, God, how long, like, what's the, you know, the, the, the etiquette or the standard around how long I have to talk to this guy now? Like, if I let him buy me a, a wine or something, like, how long do I have to then invest in this conversation? So, yeah, it's such a good topic to talk on. The next question that I had for you was around the actual date. So say you've got chemistry with someone, things are going well, you've got a date lined up. What tips do you have before, during and after the date? Yeah. So I'll give tips that more surround women who work full time 
because I think that's often where our energy gets a little bit awry. So, you know, if you're pretty sure you want to meet this guy and you're quite keen on him, then I would highly recommend making time and space for this. So, you know, if you're not really sure about the date, I'd still recommend doing it, but maybe you want to screen a bit better because it takes time and energy to prepare for a date and not just getting ready. So what I mean is, first of all, have the space to date. If you're always working and you're not prioritizing time and making space to date, that's going to come into the energy of the date. And we are all busy. It's actually what we choose to prioritize in our life. And that might be a boundary that you need to put in with yourself around how much you give to work if you deeply want a relationship. So just thinking about that getting ready for a date is actually a bigger picture story than just what you're doing on the day. The other thing to think about getting ready for the date is coming into the feminine. So if you've been at work all day in your doing, your action, your thinking, your problem solving, you know, depending on your job, it's going to look different. You're going to need to switch gears out of that because that energy is very different from heart-centered energy. So I recommend connecting with your body before a date. So that might be exercise, again, going for a walk, having a bath, a shower, a body scrub. You might even do a self-massage, gua sha or the face rollers, any way that you can connect with your body. Because essentially, energetically, when you're meeting someone, you're wanting to connect not only on an intellectual and logical level, but on a sexual chemistry and body level. So the body level isn't always just sexual chemistry. It's actually energy where you're feeling comfortable to receive and give and it's balanced. So if you're going in with all your logic from your work day, it's not balanced, right? So you might need to practice a little of going into the feminine energy before you go out on a date. And also it just makes it more enjoyable. If you haven't had time to do that before a date, as you're on your way there, connect to the clothing you're wearing. The, you know, I've got a scrunchie on, but a necklace that you're wearing, your hair. And you can do this on a date too to be in your senses while you're there. And the idea is that you're just grounding yourself out of all your thinking, right? And because, you know, men connect with men all day in the thinking space. I mean, he might want to connect with you intellectually as well. Absolutely. But he wants to see more of, of that. He wants to know how deeply connected you are to you, how deeply you can connect to your internal world, is how deeply you can connect to your own emotional world. And that is what he is feeling into with you when you're connected to yourself and your body. Mm, I love that for all the reasons you mentioned and also so that we can be so in tune with our body because our body wisdom never lies. And when you meet someone, you're going to feel intuitively if it's a yes or a no and, you know, doesn't mean that you judge and you, you know, like run away 30 seconds after meeting them. You can still have fun and enjoy the experience. However, the more in tune you are with your body, the more you're going to intuitively feel what feels right and what doesn't in any situation with, with 
a date or with people when you meet them or if you go to a job interview or, you know, you're meeting people in a networking sense. It's so good to really honour your body wisdom as well. Mm. And, and, you know, it's your radiance, your energy within you that lights up a room, that lights up Mm. the conversation, that actually makes the world a beautiful place. And not just in your appearance, it's your energy. Like a lot of men will say looks are important, but they're not everything. And what they're really meaning is like what what light does she have within her that is is playful and curious and fun and, and open and happy like within herself. So that's why connecting to the body is the source of where all this comes from. You know, often we seek happiness externally in all the things we do but actually it's created and sourced internally first. And and that's why reconnecting to the body is important. The thing I will say is it takes time and practice, like anything. You know, if you haven't really been doing it, it's going to feel clunky. It's going to feel awkward. You're going to be like, there's no sense to this. I'm not feeling anything. You know, all that stuff will come up, but allow time for, for that to happen and come through. And just notice how you feel. Try it out. Go on one date where you do it, another where you don't. What was the date like? Was it just more fun? Then you can kind of test and and know whether it's kind of working for you. And, you know, the things that you do are going to be so unique to you and your energy style and what you like. So, yeah, it's not a sort of pen and paper, this is how you figure it out. And when you're on the date, that energy that you bring filters through right and and that uh, comes across in how you listen to him if we're in the doing you might go more into the speaking too much so it's about leaning back into your body on the date and maybe even pausing for a moment or two to see if he can lean into the conversational space the energy space in the conversation to ask you questions which is often what we deeply desire is a man asking us questions So we know he's actually interested in getting to know all of us, not just how we look. But we got to be mindful of how we're actually creating that space. And if we're showing up with body language of disinterest, he's probably going to be scared to do it. (laughs) Um, So that's why your energy of of the space is, is, is so, so, so important. And the energy comes through your questions too. You know, if you've got a list in mind and you're asking him the list of questions, that's logic. Mm. Which some of those questions are important. You do want to know if that person sitting across from you is available for the same thing. You know, especially if you're in your 30s, we need to be unafraid to ask what people are actually there for. They might have just gotten out of a relationship and you then might decide, okay, like mm, probably not for me because I'm ready for a relationship. They just came out of one, right? But those questions are important, but we want to have questions that are also comes back to effective communication, curious, playful, open. And what I mean by that is really listen to what he says and ask him, tell me more about that. Or, you know, you seem to be really, um, you know, focused on that at the moment. Is that really important to you? So then he's actually getting that you get him, you really, really get him and what's important, but also you're opening up to a, like a much more interesting conversation. 
Um, and then you can also just be curious and playful in, in how you might be flirting, your body language and, you know, the jokes that you might make or, you know, the questions that you might ask. It doesn't have to be like so straight down the line, you know, and, and direct communication is, is really important, but it's not the only type of communication. Loved that. Curious, playful, open. Such a good mantra to remember going into this to, I think, also with the curiosity, like not coming from judgment, coming from a place of curiosity, because I think we can be very quick to judge without being curious to learn more about that. So I love that. And I love that you also mentioned not seeking pleasure and joy and fulfillment from external things. So instead of feeling like you need a partner to be whole and you, you're miserable single and you need a partner to experience pleasure and joy in life, mm. how can we feel that and embody that without the need for anyone else or any external thing or, mm. you know, because half the reason why we desire certain things is because we actually don't desire the thing. We want that feeling. So mm. especially with relationships, like, we think that we will feel whole and loved and experience the pleasure and joy that we desire when we're in a partnership. So how do you bring that into your life and feel that fulfillment without putting that massive pressure on someone else to give you that? Mm. And, you know, relationships bring so much purpose and meaning to the life of a woman. And, and that's how you are sourcing some of your energy and pleasure and radiance. And that's why, you know, we, we learn that. But we don't really teach girls or women how to connect to their internal pleasure. You know, this is my journey and has been my journey and why I'm so passionate about this because I felt so disconnected before. And I didn't even know why I was disconnected, had no awareness as to what it was like. But what had happened was I was so academic and high achieving, I became disconnected from my body, essentially. And I was all here. So I really had to learn this in the most uncomfortable way, right? Which was that I had relationships end because, you know, I was so not in my feeling space. So Connecting to your pleasure comes on so many levels. So the most obvious level might be the activities that you do in a day. I remember years ago writing down what activities bring me joy and struggling to think of what they were. Like that is the place that I was in at that time. And I sat with that discomfort and I still did it and then I rated them. And then eventually what happened, it took like maybe a year or two, is I started to realize that I was following the things that brought me joy. So for someone who's starting out, that can be a really great place to start. And, you know, the measure, don't measure yourself while you're doing it. You know, remain curious. How can I feel joy today? What is one thing I can do today? That's how I would say starting out. I also really, really believe in body-based practices. So, you know, connecting to your body, be it through exercise, yoga, baths, showers, massage, 
hugs, anything that really brings you into your body, the clothing you wear, the room, the furnishings of your house, what you're doing is connecting into the senses inside the body. And when we're looking for pleasure, we're looking for a sense of pleasure in the body. That's why these activities or practices are actually about pleasure in the body. And what you're doing is building up your energy, right? So often when you're working, it's taking away energy in components of it and you need to be replacing and rebuilding as much as you are removing. And and if we don't, this is where disconnection happens. This is where we often become, I guess, repressed in, in actually feeling a range of emotions. So pleasure is fully, fully self self-sourced. The other thing is to really think about what is pleasurable for you might be different to someone else. So I really like self-massage, but some people hate touch. So you really want to explore for yourself and again, allow yourself time to figure out. It's, it's not going to happen overnight, particularly if you've been in your logical academic career oriented mindset. Yeah, if that's where you've been for a very, very long time, think about how long it might take to undo some of that. And then the other place to be thinking about is self or sexual pleasure. This is going to be different for every woman. Some people might want to work with a coach or a sexologist on some of this stuff, but really we've been taught a very limited view of sexual pleasure. And a lot of us go and seek it in sexual activity to feel alive. But there are so many ways you can access it within you without needing to be out there for it. So there are people who focus specifically on that in the online world. So I would say, hey, like get curious, get out there and see if you can find a bit of that. But, you know, it's, it's so, so, so personal. So you might want to go deeper with some of that, but just know that, you know, the way we've been taught sexual pleasure is actually quite distorted. It's not, it's not about feeling empowered in your body. We haven't really been taught anything other than anatomy. And that's probably because sexual narratives are related to cultural narratives and beliefs in our wider culture, right? So you probably want to be thinking about having conversations with your friends, other women, about what they like or what they're interested in or how they do it so that you're opening yourself to something different than what you might have already been doing. Breathwork is another really great activity for pleasure. There are breathwork locations all over Sydney. There's people that do breathwork all the time. And often when we're experiencing sexual pleasure, there's a lot of breathing. And that's actually what's bringing you in, into your body. So breathwork can just be really great for releasing emotions from the body in general. And it can actually be quite uncomfortable while you're doing it, but it just clears out and actually creates so much groundedness and contentedness in the body and pleasure doesn't need to be extreme pleasure can actually be really subtle Mm, love all of that and and what I want to come back to is that topic of the sexual pleasure and the pressure we put on the other person the partner to give us that and you know often it can be sought by 
sleeping with lots of different partners or seeking it from, again, from an outside, you know, an external source instead of exploring yourself what you want first. And it comes back to that thing of asking for your needs to be met. How can you ask for your needs to be met if you don't know what they are? You need to experiment first. You know, the first person you should have sex with is yourself, (laughs) you know, and experiment and explore what gives you pleasure. What type of sexual language do you speak? Like what will turn me on? It will be different to you and different, you know, everyone has a different sexual language. So like exploring what it is that turns you on and what brings you pleasure so that when you are in partnership, that pressure isn't, you know, and it's some, it's not often intentional, but that pressure is often placed on the other person to give you pleasure when really that's quite unfair if you don't even know how you want to receive pleasure in the first place. Mm-hmm. And pleasure is something that you've been taught not to go after. Mm. We've been taught that life is painful and hard and hardworking and money doesn't go on trees and, you know, there's a pain narrative in that. So, you know, we don't want to blame ourselves that we actually don't know where pleasure sits. It's actually not your fault. No one's, no one's told you, right? And, you know, we're, in the, we're really in the space of having these conversations so that we can open the platform for women to think and know differently about this stuff. So, you know, if you don't know what you need or how you feel, it's also not your fault because probably no one taught you or no one showed you, right? And, and that's, that's why I have so much compassion around this piece because if you don't know, you don't know. You're never going to know what you've never known. So it's really about being open to it, looking different from what you've ever known before but I think you and I can both testify is that it is one of the most powerful things that we've been able to do for ourselves so that we're not seeking anything as much externally and you know we also know that we can come back to our body time and time again to create that feeling regardless of who's available for what Mm. and I don't know what empowerment is I don't like that is it essentially like you can have this beautiful sense of untapped pleasure within yourself first. And then imagine going out dating with that. Everyone is going to want to be around you. So right? magnetic. Yeah. So magnetic yeah. before you've even gone on date. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is why people want to be in relationship. They want someone who's going to bring them that excitement and that fun and that pleasure. Um, and often we're wanting the other person to bring it to the table, but we're not actually showing up as that as the date. So, you know, this could be something really, really to explore. Like if you if you want to magnetize someone to you, go into these experiences of looking at how you can bring pleasure to the self first. And then to be honest, dating will become so much easier because people will be more attracted to you. You can be more discerning. And you're not so reliant on the outcome. Mm. Like you, you don't need it to go anywhere to work for you in a particular way as much. And that changes the energy around the dating. There's less pressure around the dating. And, and dating in your mid-30s can be scary when you're looking at fertility, right? You're kind of wanting to, to move it to a place where it's clear. 
magnetism, pleasure, desire, knowing your needs and feelings, that will be magnetic like that to the right person. Absolutely. Needing to have a conversation of where's it going, I need to know where it's going. And, you know, we, we do have those conversations where we're dating. Absolutely. It gives clarity to the dating process, but that magnetism can collapse time like you wouldn't believe. Love that. So many nuggets of gold, Rach, in this whole podcast. Thank you so much. And I hope that the listeners feel so empowered by this whole discussion. Where can they go to indulge in more of your genius and wisdom around um, not only dating, but self-worth and feminine embodiment and all the beautiful topics that you create content around? Mm, Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. My account is Sensing Her. So S-E-N. S-I-N-G-H-E-R. And that space for me is really about empowering women in their worth, be that relationship, self, money, business. Because like you said before, the way we do one thing is generally the way we do Mm. everything. So in my online profile, I'm often putting up information about either connection to self or dating or relationships or money because it's just so linked, right? So yeah, my content can sometimes be quite diverse, but it's all around, it's always around self-esteem and self-worth. So that's generally um, where I put all of that information. Mm, Love it. Go and indulge, Queens. So I want to leave you with, I've got one last question with you. I just thought I would reiterate a really beautiful mantra that Rach said that I think everyone can walk away with because it's such a beautiful way to approach life, your sexual pleasure, partners, relationships, anything is to approach it with curiosity, playfulness, and openness. Curious, playful, open. And maybe use that. You could write it on your mirror. You could put it on a post-it note on the fridge. You could put it as your screensaver, like just that reminder to just stop, reflect, go inward into your body and just feel into whether you are being curious, playful and open in that moment. I just love that mantra so much. So final question, what advice would you go back and give your gorgeous 21-year-old self? (laughs) It can be easier than you could ever conceive. You don't always need to work hard for it. Wow, beautiful. Love that. Which was not what I had thought of before this call. It just came through. So, you know, I feel that maybe that's what needed to be said here. Mm, Which is a lesson in itself for us to trust what our intuition and our embodied wisdom is. So I love that. I think we can all take that on board, whatever the age as well. So thank you so much, Rachel Smith. Sensing her on Instagram. Her Instagram handle will be in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have gained any piece of wisdom, knowledge, um, you feel like other beautiful, embodied, empowered women would love to hear this episode, please feel free to share it in your Instagram stories and tag myself and Rach. We would love for more people, more women to listen to this episode and be empowered to date not from a place of fulfilling any need, but from a playful, curious, open place and really feel empowered to go out there and show their true self. So thank you so much, Rachel, for your time. And I look forward to hearing 
all of the incredible feedback on this episode. Thank you so much, Queen. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. If you had any value from that episode, would love and appreciate a rate, review, or share onto Instagram, tagging me at Jessica Zalans. Let's share this message and empower more women because a rising tide really does raise all ships. So together we can create a collective of wildly empowered women who really are changing the world. Now I'm going to be gifting $100 cash to one listener each month that rate reviews or shares an episode of Wildly Empowered Women for two reasons. First, obviously to share this message and impact and empower more women. Secondly, to help you exercise that muscle of receiving. If you can't receive money, how can you receive more love, more compliments, more help, more success, more incredible desires into your life? So I really want to be able to help more women receive and also to gift that money so that you can spend it on no one but yourself. (laughs) You get to spend that money on something that makes you feel more wild, more empowered or more woman. So I cannot wait to announce the very first winner. And I'm really excited to be bringing you more of these conversations. So thanks so much again for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.